millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie, and with me in very different moods than at 7.30pm on Saturday night are Ash, Billy T, Rosa and Tom. Uh, There's only one place to start, and we should get right into it, Antonio Conte. Um, I think we're all utterly shell-shocked. Spurs simply do not move like this. Um, Ash, I want to go straight to you, as I think you've perhaps been the most frustrated with Spurs and its prospects this season. Um, you're delighted, right? I'm so happy. It feels like Spurs are back. I was livid walking out of the ground on Saturday. Um, it was a, the most toxic atmosphere I can remember in a long, long time. It felt like sort of the prime sugar days when people were sort of rioting outside the West Stand. Um, and now it just feels it like top four's back on and we might win something. We've got a serious ground, a serious manager. Uh, a serious director of football. Um, I'm just buzzing. I haven't been this excited in ages since probably like Bale was back. So yeah, happy times are back. We're, we're good. And obviously the Bale return went really, really, really well. So that's that stands us in good stead. Rosa, how are you feeling? I'm so happy Ash is happy again. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like a real roller coaster now seeing that. Um, and my dad is back in as well. He sent me this like long text being like, this This was the only thing that could get me back. He's been totally detached. It's been really sad. And now he's like, I'm back. I'm in it. Let's go. Let's do this. Like, it feels mad. I'm sort of, 
I'm half convinced it's going to end in six months with him just storming out after we've like failed to buy him one of the players that he wanted. But I don't really mind if you can't get excited about Antonio Conte coming to Spurs. What can you get excited about, really? It is a bit like the Bale thing when people were saying, oh, he's old. And and I just remember saying, if you're not excited about it, you're just dead inside and don't talk to me. And that's where I am with this, really. You heard, do not talk to Rosa if you do not come with extreme excitement. Um, Tom, your excitement levels out of 10? Yeah, similar to Ash, I was just so furious on Saturday um, after the United game. So I am, yeah, pretty over the moon uh, and excited. All I would, all I do keep thinking is that I also felt this way when we hired Jose. Um, and with the Jose doubt, as I was saying, but he's won everything. And you could kind of say, I will now be saying the same thing about Conte. Uh, yeah, it could all go horribly wrong, but at the moment I'm absolutely over the moon. We wasted four or five months, but um, yeah, this is so exciting, I think. Conte's won stuff more recently as well. Like, to be fair, Jose it had been about five years and Conte has literally just won Serie A. So you've got that to throw back at them, Tom. Totally. I feel like as well, the, the the hire of Mourinho did feel divisive and split, you know, Spurs fans. Whereas, and again, this is perhaps a small sample size and speaks to the kind of echo chambers of Twitter that we all exist in. But I feel like this was Spurs, the Spurs community, joyous in a way that, you know, maybe the bail thing is the last thing that did bring everyone together. I, I didn't really see one dissenting voice from any Spurs fan, you know, suggesting that this was a, a poor, you know, ill thought out move on, on, on the part of Spurs. Um, Billy, I know, I mean, you and I have been sort of terrified and exchanging uh, ridiculously anxious messages since there were first whispers of, of this. Um, we did it. Conte's here. How are you feeling? Yeah. I, I mean, I still, there's still a part of me that thinks it's all not going to be true and I'm just going to wake up and it's all some kind of weird fever dream, but it's just absolutely incredible. I know, like, I think when it broke on Monday, I was just, I wasn't even like a part of me was ready to believe it because when it happened in summer, um, it kind of got dangled in front of us. And it was like, this is everything you would ever want as a fan. There it is. You can have it now. And then suddenly the rug got pulled and it was like, it actually properly devastated me. And I thought, you know, we've been there before with like Dybala, that kind of thing as well. And it just, it, like, it's, again, sad to say, but it did really sort of, <laughs> really got me down. So I thought this time, there's no way I can go for that again. Um, the Monday it sort of came out, I wasn't believing it at all. And then on the Tuesday, I think it was, it started becoming more and more a reality. Um, and then it kind of happened so quickly after that. Um, and yeah, it's just an incredible, incredible thing. It's totally united us all. Um, and I could not be happier that he's our manager. I still can't believe it. It's just incredible. I mean, he just feels like the exact perfect guy in terms of, you know, the group of players we got needing a bit of a rocket slash being hurled off the skywalk to whoever is going to take them on next as future employers. You know, we've got Harry Kane, age 28. We've got Sun Hyung Min, 29. These are superstar footballers in their prime. Spurs need to win something and we have you know, surely one of the most surefire routes to a trophy now at Tottenham. I mean, similarly, I feel like I'm going to wake up and there'll be some sort of Brexit technicality that means he can't become our manager and we have to, you know, revert back. But 
It's it's extraordinary. And looking at the first eight games he's got, there's Vitesse at home, Everton away, Leeds at home, Moura away, Burnley away, Brentford at home, Norwich at home, Wren at home. You know, he could build up a head of steam pretty quickly. Billy, how, how are you feeling about the, the fixtures we've got coming up? Yeah, and I know we will get into this a little bit later on, but just the contrast and the feeling between looking at those fixtures now, because this time last week, I'd looked at those fixtures and thought, right, Vitesse, they beat us under Nuno. We could easily lose that game. Everton are in a poor run of form, but they got some decent players. We could lose that game. Leeds, they beat us last year, 3-1 the last time we played them. We could lose that game. But now I just feel like with Conte, I just feel like we could go on a serious run. We could get right back up into the pushing for the European places. Um, and it's just like totally changed my perspective on everything. It really have. I know it's not just going to come in and, you know, we're going to win every single game um, and push for the title or anything like that. It's going to take time still. It's going to take new players. But the whole mood of around the club has got to be lifted from everyone, from the players to the fans to everything like I just can't believe it. We Tom, might just even get to see a few goals as well. Sorry. Just, yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Let's just like set our expectations there to start with. I mean, let's, let's not get too excited. Let's work our way up from one shot on target first, Rosa, and then we'll, we'll think about a goal. Um, oh God, some goals sounds <laughs> um, dreamy, but also I was just going to say that although I think it's right that Nuno went, it's the decisive action that Levy's now taken means Conte takes over while we're in eighth position and still in four competitions um so that is also making me optimistic how do we all feel about the formation i mean there's been almost blanket coverage around the idea that we're gonna you know suddenly play wing backs ash do you feel like that suits the squad we've got the the personnel for it the only sort of slight concern would be the center backs like i don't know if there's not enough depth there like I'm not, I'm not a huge Dyer fan. I'm, I'm still not sold on Tanganga, like which I know won't go down well on here. But so that kind of just leaves Romero by himself. So I think that's probably like somewhere where we need to like look at in January, like straight away. But I think we've got the the possible wing wing back solutions for sure. Um, is everyone else excited about wing backs, Rosa? How, how do you feel we might play under Conte, and what what perhaps are you are you looking for in terms of how he might get us playing? Because obviously, you know, in terms of identity and style, we've basically had nothing. What what are you looking for from a Antonio Conte Spurs team, sort of early doors? I'll take some effort for a start. Um, and just some intensity. I know that sounds like proper, like proper football man talk but just a bit of intensity a bit of aggression just something to show that they actually want to go and win a game I mean I'm not I think Ash is is right about our central defensive situation I do hope that Tanganga gets a shot I, I also you know you know how I feel about Eric Dyer um just anything that just gets just gets them moving up the pitch, do you know what I mean? And just, yeah, a shot on target, possibly a goal. Thing is, when we were linked with him in summer, I think a few people were sceptical about his style of play, Conte, and um, yeah, had some reservations. But after the last few months, like, honestly, like, we can only get better, surely. Like, as Rosa said, some shots and some intensity maybe even some goals would be incredible I feel like you know I think we've even spoken about this Spurs DNA 
um, you know, situation. It feels like a bit of a millstone around our necks at times. And every club claims to have this heritage of beautiful football. You know, I would just like Tottenham's DNA to involve winning some football matches, perhaps winning a trophy. And this seems like a pretty good route to that. Um, Billy, what are you looking for out of out of Conte's Tottenham? Yeah, I think it's interesting, the wing-backs thing, because we kind of had Nuno, who was a manager that was renowned for wing-backs, um, playing five at the back at Wolves, which is where he got all of his success from. And then he came here and he was sort of possibly, if you read between the lines, possibly forced into playing a 4-3-3 and a 4-3-2-1, um, a 4-2-3-1. And what's interesting now is there is no way anyone is going to be forcing any formations onto Conte. Like it's obviously he is going to be given the keys to this club and he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. So I think it's interesting that Nuno's downfall was not playing wing-backs and we've just hired someone who is obviously likely to play wing-backs. Um, but I just think, you know, I think the more you read about Conte and the more you see about his online, I think there's a myth going around that he's kind of like a Mourinho-style defensive manager, counter-attacking, which is just not true. Um, I think his football team is playing incredible stuff. Um, so really, really exciting. Right. Next, I want to know from everyone who you think the one big winner out of our um, troubled squad of footballers will be now Conte's here. Um, Tom, who do you think the bigger, the biggest winner will be? I mean, it's, this is the obvious choice, but surely Harry Kane is going to kind of start playing now because the his performance against United and against West Ham, it was just like he didn't want to be there and he was barely interested so yeah surely Harry is the one who uh, is going to pick up his game now and if he doesn't then potentially we should sell him in January and bring in two new strikers and just the other one I guess Bergwijn uh, maybe he's a wing back I don't know but surely maybe Conte can get a tune out of him because he hasn't scored in so, so long. Um, oh, and Delhi can still go in January. I, I am super intrigued to see who becomes that kind of, I think he did it with Perisic at Inter where, you know, what was once a out-and-out attacking sort of winger would suddenly become a, a, a wing-back and perhaps that is Bergwijn. Um, Rosa, who do you think the big winner is going to be for Spurs or from the Spurs squad? I think he's going to love Romero about as much as we do, isn't he, really? That's just the sort of perfect package of like good defensive competence and and intensity and aggression as well. So that'll be, that'll be really fun. That'll be really fun kind of following on from what Billy said last week about Romero. I wanted to tell Romero we're not usually this bad and he'll get to maybe see that now. It's like you haven't landed at a horrible, horrible club. You actually will be playing for a good manager. And so that'd be nice. I think um, Ndombele is going to be interesting. I don't know which way that one's going to go. I don't mind. Like if he succeeds, that'd be brilliant. If it kills him, I don't really mind that either, <laughs> to be honest. I just, I think this, this is it now. It's whatever happens to Ndombele under Conte, that's it, right? One way or the other. The, the debate will be finished. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Ash, you've been Ndombele's biggest uh, biggest sort of backer, defender, certainly amongst us. How do you feel it's going to go for Tongi? I think pretty well. I, I, I was raging over the fact that he was dropped on Saturday because we sort of waited for like two years or whatever for him to like get into a run of form and then he was jettisoned from the team, bizarrely. 
on Saturday, but I don't know. I think like Ndombele and uh, Le Celso could go either way. So I really don't know. I mean, the person I think will probably win will be Sassignon. I think he could be like the wing back uh, on that side because Davies' delivery, I, I'm not sure about. Um, and I don't know. I just think Sassignon, he's sort of the forgotten man. And I think that maybe he could be the winner out of this. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Sess come back. Are you not convinced about Reggie, left wing back, Ash? Um, I thought the end of last season, he was really bad. And then I think he sort of did pick up a bit of form like this year. So I, I don't know what to think of, of him. And I think I can apply that to Lo Celso and probably like five or six others. Billy, what about you? Who's your big winner? Yeah, um, my, my two answers have gone already. Um, I was going to say Kane or Romero, but I'm actually going to go for Paratici because um, I think there's been a bit of like, well, it's been a pretty good start. It's been an all right start to, to his tenure um, because he signed a couple of decent players. He signed one really, really good player in Romero and um, a couple of players looking promising as well. But he obviously got the manager appointment completely wrong. Uh, totally, totally wrong. So I think now Conte coming in is really, really set out Paratici's store because obviously that was never going to happen unless he joined us. Um, we weren't going to get Conte about Paratici, I don't think. I think that's really clear. So I'm going to go for him. I think it's the start of a really, really exciting new era. Um, and as much as it is the Conte era that we're starting, it's Paratici is the one that has brought him here. So well, well done to him. Um, Conte usually has a sort of victimizes Alonso type figure that um, perhaps, you know, not the starriest of players, but becomes extraordinarily integral. Do we have anyone lurking? I mean, Sessegnon feels like a decent shout. Um, could this be Matt, Matt Doherty's moment? As preposterous as that sounds, I'm seeing shaking heads for the benefit of our listeners. Um, is there anyone that, that springs to mind? Rosa, anyone that you could think of? I'd like it to be Tanganga. Not really based on anything other than I'd just really like it to be him. That's it. I just he's it's he, it's been a sort of weird start to his Spurs career, and I think yeah, if he could just be given a chance, I'd just I'd like to see what he could do. And he seems so lovely and really Spurs. So that's my pick. I mean, I feel you could definitely make a case for him being um, set up to play as the right sided centre back in a three, right? With his experience now playing at right back and. You know, the fact that he, on paper, I think, as always, or certainly through the youth teams, was a centre-back. So maybe that's, maybe that this is this is his moment. Um, Billy, who's yours? Uh, I'm going to go for Brian Hill. Um, I still don't fully know what he's going to do for us and where it's going to be, but I've seen enough of him to know it's going to be something. So I'm going to go for Brian Hill. I think he's kind of got a manager now that's going to, you know, he will be able to coach him into being something great. So I'm going to go for him. Tom, who's yours? I'm with Rosa. I would be over the moon if Tanganga got a proper run. Like he's had so many moments, quite a few moments of brilliance now, a few not so amazing moments. But um, I think he's a centre back rather than a right back. And maybe, yeah, playing three centre backs would really benefit him. And then the skip case is going to be interesting. Obviously, he's played a lot of football so far and again has had some really good games or parts of games and others not so much so it'll be interesting to see what Conte does with him Ash finally who's yours who's your sort of secret gem that could could emerge um I don't think it's a secret but I think Hoiberg's about to go to war for Conte <laughs> um, 
I, I'm really excited to see that because I loved sort of the like Mourinho Hoiberg dynamic, like when we were sort of like, I think it was between like October and when we went to Liverpool and like lost and everything fell apart. But yeah, he was he was amazing and like you could just tell that he was just like fighting for every ball. So I'm excited to get Hoiberg back into like that mode that we saw before. I am um, speaking of midfielders. I think, and I'm perhaps just being um, sort of weirdly subversive after he put in one of the worst performances in midfield I've seen from a Spurs player in ages. But I think I think Lacelso might be weirdly to Conte's liking in that sort of midfield three that he plays. He's quite versatile. It's maybe reasonably similar to the role that he might play for Argentina, and I think he's someone that splits opinion massively, but. I still feel like I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in that I think he's just in need of some good old coaching at Tottenham. And I think it's the same for a lot of them. So I, I think he might, at least till January, get get a good run playing in that midfield three. How do we all feel about the idea that come January, we are suddenly going to see Daniel Levy with deep pockets, Tottenham Hotspur sort of splashing the cash? Do we think this is... A real thing? Do we think that Conte has been promised? You know, we're going to go out and spend 100 million euros or something. How how are we all feeling about this idea that Conte must have been given these guarantees in order to have finally sort of accepted an offer that four months ago he seemingly wasn't interested in at all? Ash, how, what do you reckon? I can't see that because we heard the same under Mourinho when he first came in, and then we got like. Doherty and like a few other players that like didn't turn out that well. So I don't, I, I don't know. It would, it would mean that Levy's changing a habit of a lifetime, and I just don't see that happening. I'd love it, but, but I just don't see it. Billy, do you have confidence? I mean, a lot of people online have spoken about this being, you know, Levy's last chance that he's been sort of finally backed into a corner to the point where he has to take such decisive action and, you know, as Ash says, change habits of a lifetime. What, what do you reckon? Um, I don't think we're going to see a huge change and that we're going to go out in January and spend, you know, 150, 200 million. What I think that could realistically happen is we go and buy a couple of really smart players that will really help us in the second half of the season. Um, I already see almost as we were... A, Almost as Conte was announced, we were instantly linked with Kessie from Milan and Vlahovic, the Fiorentina striker. Um, I think those are two buys which could be well within our means and would really, really help our team. So I don't think we're going to go out and spend a lot of money, but what I do think is going to happen is we have a manager that if we provide with some smart signings, then we could be a seriously uh, decent team. So I don't think we're going to go out and spend loads, but I do think we will buy some decent players. Tom, has it changed your view on sort of Levy and Enoch? Like, uh, you know, I, I think the mood around the club seems to have been transformed. It certainly mine has to the point where I worry that I'm just this like, you know, I'm, I'm so easily swayed that all it takes is for this sort of glittering manager to rock up and suddenly everything's forgiven. I don't think it is all forgiven, but how, how are you feeling? I've never been a Levy out, Enoch out kind of guy, uh, partly because... I just think it's like better the devil you know. Uh, and I look at the Newcastle takeover, for example, and worry about who might buy us. Um, but my main thing is like, can we just buy a striker now? 
I, I, like, I don't know. This just drives me mad. We've needed a second striker <laughs> to play with Kane for so long. Then we knew Kane was like wanted to leave and we still didn't bring in a second striker. And Kane currently has to start every game or, he's, you know, did uh, with Nuno, well, apart from the City game. Just by, just a striker. I don't like the talk of like 200 million or whatever. Please, God, just 40, 50 on a striker. That would be, that would make my day. <laughs> uh, Rosa, what would you like to see us do in January? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, we, I think we, we have spent quite a lot of money already. I don't think Tom's going to get his striker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Come sorry. on, Rosa. Come on, please. Any striker will do. 20 million, like some kid from the championship, just Carlo, Carlos Vinicius, can I interest you? <laughs> no, no, I'll pass on him. Vincent Janssen. Yeah, the sort of rumours um, coming out sound quite interesting. I think we probably need another central defender. That would be more priority for me. Yeah, they're going to have to spend some money because I can't imagine that Conte took it. Because like, even when Jose joined, right, he said he kind of was forced to give that whole spiel about this is a really good squad. It's not a problem. We can do things with this squad. Like, I don't. they're not going to make Conte say that sort of shit, are they? And he's certainly not going to accept it. So some money is going to have to be spent. I think that's what feels exciting is knowing that, you know, we probably have the one manager that just simply will not toe the line. In saying that, I mean, I think what was put out today was quite hilarious with, you know, Conte's uh, quotes about, you know, the union not quite being right in the summer and his heart still belonged to Inter and, you know, but his head had been fully turned by Tottenham and he was interested and it was just a matter of time before the, you know, the, the sort of union was was going to be cemented. So maybe he will now trot out some lines about, you know, the squad being ready to, to compete. But I think, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be giving some very, very firm feedback on the squad going into, going into the winter. I think we should talk or at least acknowledge uh, the Nuno era or the Nuno sort of interregnum or whatever we want to call the last few months. Um, I think, you know, we, we spoke on our last podcast, all of us pretty firmly about the idea that Nuno wasn't going to lose his job going into that United game. Solskjaer, if he lost, would lose his. But, you know, there was pretty much nothing uh, that was that was going to lose Nuno his. Um, and then the United game happens I mean, Ash, it was just an absolute monstrosity. It was a farce. It was toxic. It was hideous football. It was hideous in the stands. How, how did you find it? <laughs> Do you know what? It was, it was a strange game because I thought, and it, like this has kind of been forgotten, but until United scored the first goal, it kind of felt like we were on top. And I was like, oh, like we're doing okay. And then Ronaldo obviously scores an incredible goal and we just like fell to pieces. And the sort of defining image for me wasn't sort of the dreadful sub that he made, which got the most vicious reaction as a sub that I've ever seen in a football ground, was that I, I sit sort of like in the fourth row and looked over to Nuno as a Spurs player was being fouled about three metres away from him. And he didn't, he didn't appeal, just sort of walked away. 
And I was just like, this guy's got no passion. And, and he kind of just given up. And I thought the mood when he did make that sub, which by the way, was a shocking sub because Lucas at that time was the only player doing anything. The reaction was just so mad. And I was at that point, I was like, there's no coming back from this. And the Levy out banners came out in the South stand and it just got really vicious. And even towards the end of the game, um, all the players sort of walked over to the South stand and did their usual sort of half-assed applause, which happens every game. And the abuse that Kane got was, was quite something. Um, people were really, really angry. And yeah, I just think Nuno, lovely guy, but like, and maybe it's not his fault. Maybe he's been thrown under the bus, but he's just not up to the job. And I'm just glad he's gone. I'm just absolutely delighted he's gone. Um, Billy, I wanted to talk to you about the Lucas Mora sub and Lucas Mora's, um, the way in which Lucas Mora seems to be becoming the sort of Forrest Gump of Tottenham Hotspur and every sort of enormous thing that happens to us seems to now involve Lucas Mora. Um, that was, as Ash said, an astonishing moment. I've never heard anything like that in terms of a substitution. Um, do you think that was the moment where, like Ash said, it was it became sort of irredeemable for him? Yeah, and I do think like Lucas Moore has now been involved in a second defining moment in Tottenham's history. Like I, I think that is genuinely going to go down as a moment which could change our club forever. Um, I, I also find it's kind of ironic that um, the fans were so viciously against Lucas Moore being subbed off, but now the next manager's come in. Lucas Moore might well not fit into the Conte side, which is quite funny. Um, he might have just done his bit now and now bounce, but he's done a lot for us in getting Conte, so fair play to him. Um, yeah, I, do you know what? I, it was just a, such a strange sub. Like We spent so many games before that thinking Nuno does not make subs at all. He doesn't make them early enough. He's done one on 56 minutes and taken off our best player. It was just so surreal. Don't know what he was thinking. And in, in the end of the day, it's cost him his job. So I think there's a possibly a reason to say that if the crowd reaction hadn't been so bad and hadn't been so vicious, then maybe Conte wouldn't be here today. Um, so I think it does show, you know, once a manager loses the fans, they're gone, they're nothing. So, so yeah, I think it's a huge, huge moment for him and it's eventually what cost him his job. Um, Rosa, what do you think the moment was for Nuno that, that, that lost him his job? I mean, was it the United? Was it before that? I mean, I thought it was a, Dead man walking for a really long time. Um, I think ultimately Villa and Newcastle were merely stays of execution. So while this is, you know, is obviously the United game was pivotal, and I'm absolutely shocked at how quickly Spurs have moved. It, it was sooner or later. I'm glad, you know, I'd like to think they sort of have looked at, say, what Chelsea did last season in acting just swiftly, decisively. Um, and not sacking a manager at the exact wrong moment as as we did with Mourinho right before the one game he should have been in charge for. Like I will, I will die on that hill. That was a ridiculous. If you were ever going to sack Mourinho, then was not the time to do it. So I feel, is this a case of Tottenham learning from their mistakes? I don't know. Let's hope so. Yeah, it's interesting. Just um, something that Ash just said actually reminded me. So me and you bought tickets for the uh, Europa Conference games and we bought some tickets in the West End, which was, I normally sit in the South Stand, and we bought some right by the dugout um, when they released that free ticket deal. And we were sat by 
not that far away from Nuno. And this was at the beginning of his tenure in the in the Mura game. Um, and it was interesting that we both noticed then that he didn't talk to a single player during that game. Um, he didn't have any sort of emotional connection with them. He didn't have any instructions for them. When they came off, they kind of just walked past him. It's like he wasn't even there. So I think it's kind of been a long time coming. Um, like Rosa said, he's been a dead man walking for a long time. And even then, I think we both said to each other at the end of that game, he's not going to be here for a long time. He just, you could tell even then. And that was, you know, that was a long time ago now. Um, and by the way, amazing, amazing, amazing that the fact that we've now got tickets close to Antonio Conte's first game in the dugout. So that's going to be amazing on Thursday. Um, that sort of leads to my my question for you all. Um, and I'll go to you first, Tom. If there's a moment to define uh, the Nuno era for you, what will be your sort of defining Nuno memory, do you think? Well, I stormed out on Saturday as the third goal went in on like 86 minutes and I never leave early. And my mate Linton, who I sit with, was physically trying to block me leaving. And I was like, no, Linton, like I'm going that it's this is ridiculous so I probably missed some of the worst boos as well but I think it's just like as others have touched on the that rabbit in the headlights kind of vibe from Nuno the the lack of subs when we were playing so so badly and he him leaving the sub so late and then um when he did make a sub it was terrible and got booed in in that United game and then like obviously the run of Derby defeats as well, like Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, West Ham. That run is so bad. And that, and just overall, I think someone, a, a fan of a, of a rival club, pointed out to me that Nuno's won five of his games, ten, like half, half of the games we've played so far, and he was sort of defending Nuno. But so many of those games were against terrible opposition and... Team like Villa, for example, aren't playing well. Newcastle are terrible. Uh, the City game, I unfortunately missed, uh, so I probably missed the one good point of Nuno's reign. But yeah, I don't know. It like nice guy, but it all went so badly for him. Um, Ash, what for you is the one, the one big Nuno memory that you'll take with you? <laughs> I'm actually going to say something positive because everything else was bad, but. Probably the atmosphere at the City game. I've been to like a lot of Spurs games and I genuinely think that was one of the best atmospheres like at a Spurs home game. It was like electric and I think obviously the whole Kane and Man City thing just added to it. But I haven't like heard a Spurs crowd get behind like the team like that in a really long time. So yeah, I'll just pick that as the only positive thing that came out of his entire time here. I um I can remember bumping into you in the South Stand Ash after that game and just both of us and the people we were with just completely giddy. Like I I can't remember, you know, yeah. it felt like we had overcome the sort of big bad sort of, you know, Man City and Harry Kane, quite honestly. It felt like we'd beaten him that day as well. And it felt like Nuno had sort of fostered some kind of team spirit and some sort of collective, you know, some sort of collective power within the squad that since that point just vanished. It was absolutely bizarre. Um, Rosa, what's your what's your big Nuno memory? Um, I think the sort of dignity with which he handled the whole Harry Kane 
saga really um he was dealt a, a bad hand in that way i think it's in other ways he did really well it's a big it's a big job that's really well paid and there are you know lots of the players on great or performing up to their standards but there's also some world-class talent in there um but the harry kane thing was a nightmare to have to deal with for any manager and particularly one who'd come in was obviously so far from away from being the first choice. And I think he handled that all with dignity and with grace, really. And I, it's a shame that we kind of didn't get to see that side of him more, really, because it, it all went wrong pretty quickly. But that's it. Like, thanks, you know, I really, people say that he's a gentleman and I really do believe that. Um, I think it was the uh, excellent writer, Joe Barton, not Joey Barton, Joe Barton on Twitter that said, um, Something on, along the lines of, uh, you know, Nuno, a fine guy, wishing well with all his future sporting endeavours, as long as it has nothing to do with any football club that I have any affection for. And I think that's probably where most of us are at. Um, Billy, what's your Nuno memory? Yes, yeah, so mine is just going to be the naught shots on target for, um, I think, you know, a considerable amount of halves of football. Um, it's just made me realise that I just really miss watching good football for my football team. Um, I think we kind of go in periods of having managers that play really good football and terrible football. Um, this is one of those ones that is a terrible football. Um, and I just really miss watching Tottenham play well. I don't really expect much more than that at the moment. I just want to see my team play well. Nuno, I would love to say that you won't be forgotten. You possibly will be forgotten, but thank you for, for all you did. Um, and good luck, I guess. I don't know why I'm acting as if he's like listening to this. Um, who do I think I am? Anyway, uh, I'm the person that's now going to ask you guys for your weekly culture picks. Um, this week, uh, in very cliched fashion, we're making them Italian themed. Um, and Rosa, I think yours is the most cultured one that we're probably ever going to hear on Hometown Glory. So you can go first. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going full Italian. My dad got me into football and that's one of the big things that we share together. And the other thing that we both share a big love of is opera. And really, like, there's nothing more Italian than opera. Now, everybody knows what every football fan knows, Nessun Dorma. And that's um, by the composer Puccini. And, his, and it's from a different opera, but it's like the most tragic, intense... Italian opera you can think of Tosca and so if you're if you're looking for a way to get into opera or just have a bit of a listen um there's one recording from 1953 with the legendary soprano Maria Callas who is actually Greek but it was a recording with the um orchestra and chorus of La Scala in Milan and with the great baritone Tito Gobbi and the great tenor um, Giuseppe Di Stefano. So a whole the rest of the gang's all Italian. It's a classic recording. It's the one to go for. That's the opera to listen to. It's one of the greatest of all times. And if I can't recommend that on Italian Week on Hometown Glory, when can I? So that's from me this week. Um, Billy, top that. Well, I definitely can't top that. I'm going to do the reverse. I'm going to go for a disco and house producer from Italy. Um, as far, pretty much as far removed from opera as you can get. Um, it's a guy called Adapter who has had a really strong one of release this year. He's had an EP at the beginning of the year on Patrick Topping's label Trick, um, with a really good track, I Need You, which is kind of like a disco house flavored song. Um, but his latest release on 
Nick Franciulli's label Saved Records is called Shaky Break and it's just an absolute banger it's a total disco banger so I'm going to go for a producer called Adapter with a song Shaky Break Excellent Tom? I'm going to I think Ash is going to mention an amazing TV show set in Italy I'm just going to mention that I proposed in Venice um, and if you're considering going to Venice and thinking that it might be too cheesy it is absolutely one of my favourite places ever I thought it would be touristy and awful and it's so so cool it's pure um, magic it's pure it, magic that place it really yeah. is me and my wife have been twice the second yeah. time i proposed one of my favorite places in the world it really is and i just thought oh it's going to be like this tourist hellhole but once you get out of the kind of is it san marco square once you get out of the kind of main touristy bit it's just yeah it's just magical and beautiful and if you ever the cultural bit i guess is if you ever get a chance to go to venice you've got to go to the peggy guggenheim museum which like if i could own one house and the contents of said house i would have the peggy guggenheim museum house right on the canal with her collection of incredible artwork so um yeah go to book flights to venice some they're often really cheap go to venice and uh wander around and drink um aperol spritzers I'm going to take things to the opposite end and recommend uh, San Marco Restaurant in Bruce Grove, which is Tottenham's best Italian eatery. It's actually really, really, really good. And I imagine it's going to see uh, an enormous spike in trade. It's hugely very busy anyway, but um, I think it's going to become the must-visit pre-match restaurant, not least because uh, that's where we'll be going um, ahead of the Europa League. Uh, sorry, I wish it was the, the Europa League. The Europa Conference League uh, showdown with Vitesse. Um, so yeah, you might even bump into us if you get a table. I'm rambling. Ash, save me. Um, I'm going to go for Gomorra, which is basically a TV show. It's on Sky Atlantic and it's based on a uh, mafia family uh, in Naples. And I think there are like three or four seasons and there are just like loads of twists and turns and it's amazing. It's like not enough people talk about it but it's just a brilliant show and you should definitely watch it it's incredible billy touched on like the best tv shows when we were talking about succession the other week and i i you know gamora is so up there isn't it with the sopranos and mad men and stuff yeah i need to watch gamora it's it's really high on my list and i feel like um tottenham's full Italianification might be the thing that pushes me towards it. I would also love to spend the next half an hour talking about succession, but we're going to save that for next week as we want this to be um, to the point and Conte focused, uh, which is where we're going to leave you. Um, Thank you very much for listening to episode four of Hometown Glory and Antonio Conte special. Um, I've been Charlie. I've been with Billy. I've been with Tom. I've been with Ash and I've been with Rosa Um, Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thanks for your company as always. Um, Billy, see us out. I really should have Google translated how to up the Spurs in Italian, but I didn't. I didn't didn't come prepared enough. So up the Spurs. (laughs) 